Oh hi! Life is shit. I think those were the Buddha's words anyway. Now, there are three appropriate responses to a universe this inexplicably unpleasant. The first is to subscribe to one of the many religions of the world, which usually come with a cosmic backstory for why you're suffering. Fair enough if you want to. Secondly, you can ignore the problem and just try to be a decent person, and more power to you if so. And third, compatible with the first two, you can become an artist, and attempt to externalize the existential struggle through art, and hopefully try to comfort other humans, or just make them aware of miserable aspects of existing that they hadn't even worried about yet. Good times! I'll stop being silly. The happy haps so far in the human story is that tragedies are gonna happen to us. If things follow naturally, we will lose our parents. If we haven't already, we will get our hearts broken. We will all have at least weeks of dark times. But I want to convince you today that those dark times are compost, icky horse poop, which, if you try, you can later grow beautiful flowers out of. I am not a grower of beautiful flowers. I'm not claiming to be anything special. But since whatever this series is has already turned into a narcissistic excuse to recount episodes of my personal history under the guise of metaphorical illustration, I would like to tell you about the two years in which I went completely mad and how I got back to some degree of sanity and how that informs almost everything I make today. After years of chemically abusing my body at university, one day, just after graduation, I tried to shrug off a hangover with a lot of coffee, and without warning, the world pulled away from me. My heart was racing, I could see it visibly thumping in my chest, I was sweating all over, my limbs were tingling, and I thought, well, I've done it, I've finally pushed myself too far, I'm having a much overdue stroke or heart attack or something. And I went home, and I just laid in bed under the covers all day. A few days later, some friends and I went to see a film, and exactly the same thing happened again during the movie. No warning, just suddenly a feeling of boundless, all-consuming dread. Pounding heart, sweating, I couldn't catch my breath, I was suffocating. It was terrifying. I had to just go and hide in the toilet cubicle until it was over. I had no idea what else to do. And then it began to happen every day. And if it wasn't a full-blown freakout, it was sweaty palms and a tight chest and shortness of breath and waking up in the middle of the night suffocating. It just kept getting worse. Now, I bet you already know what the problem is, but I was young and even dumber than I am now, and so I convinced myself I had a life-threatening condition. I went to see doctors, and all of them would politely listen to the symptoms and check me over and very gently say, your health is fine, you're having panic attacks which made me furious. Firstly, I'd always just assumed that people with things like depression and anxiety must be choosing to have those conditions, possibly the dumbest assumption of my life. And secondly, because I knew there was something physically wrong with me. I was suffocating for fuck's sake, and if these idiots couldn't do their jobs properly, that wasn't my fault, and I would find a doctor who could. I was ECG'd a bunch, my blood was tested, etc. I even took myself to A&E, I think that's uh, the emergency room for Americans, one night because I was having very strange chest pains and heart palpitations. Again, to be told, you're having panic attacks, there is nothing wrong with your physical health. And this thing got big on me. It got really big on me. Every day it was just constant terror that my heart would stop, terror that I had something wrong with me. It was a year of misery. I stopped seeing basically anyone. I stopped going outside. I stopped having a life. I was in constant fear, constant flight mode, shaking hands, shortness of breath, couldn't think straight, perpetual panic. Would not recommend. And still, doctors kept insisting I had developed anxiety, not a fatal condition. And still, I knew they were all wrong. What did I have to be anxious about? It had started with no warning. There was no obvious cause. This had to be a physical thing. And for the embarrassing cherry on the shame cake, after a year of this, I went to go and stay with my parents to celebrate my birthday. I hadn't told anyone what was going on in my head. 
And one morning, my mum came into the living room and tried to wish me happy birthday and made a fuss of me, and I just broke down. I just fucking lost it. Burst out crying like a kid, which surprised her somewhat. Not the typical reaction to being wished happy birthday, but just trying to keep the lid on this thing for a year had destroyed me. And she did something I will never forget. She had a project at work I knew was super important, they needed her, but she left the room for a minute and came back and I asked her where she went and she said, I just told them I'm not coming in and maybe not tomorrow either or the day after that and I'm going to sit with you until we sort this thing out. And I told her everything about how my leg was caught in a bear trap I didn't understand and how I'd gone completely nuts and every day was just terrifying and I couldn't remember who I was anymore. And she just sat next to me. She just sat next to me and listened. She didn't judge. She didn't try to give advice. She just listened for hours and hours. And of the many thousands of undeserved kindnesses I have received in my lifetime, that was the one that changed everything. Because though it took some time for things to improve, that was the beginning of becoming a person again. Just being witnessed unconditionally, I guess. It's embarrassing, but after that, I moved back in with my mum and dad for a while because I was a mess. I couldn't operate my life. My mind had gone fishing. And after some gentle persuasion from my mum, I looked into anxiety and accepted finally that I had a textbook case. There are some monsters you can only kill if you say their true name. I read books about anxiety, some family members had had eerily similar experiences and reached out, and that helped, and I discovered that there were millions of people who had this thing. I won't bore you with the rest. It was a fairly dull recovery. Day by day, running helped, like, a lot. Reading about other people's experiences helped a lot. But as with many other conditions, I'm sure you don't wake up one day suddenly fixed. It's more that one day you realize you've become yourself again and you didn't even notice it happening. It took a while, but I did become myself again. And then the monster was gone. That was years ago for me now, and it feels like trying to recall a dream. I don't remember that person. He wasn't me. I haven't had panic attacks in years. It's not something I even have to worry about these days. If I could choose for those two years not to have happened, I would. But since I can't, I'm glad they happened. Because they gave me something. They added an empathy extension to my personality that I just didn't have before, opened my eyes to mental health. And the strangest thing happened, keeps happening, which is that if you mention you've had something like this, just gently, just in conversation, or it comes up somehow, you will be amazed how many other people have too. Jacked, macho, gym addict, emotionally closed off mystery folks, people you would never have expected to fall into these holes. Almost everyone has gone through, not panic necessarily, but something. Depression, phobias, grief, eating disorders. Everyone you meet is a little self-contained universe of secret weakness. Everyone. I stopped believing that we were some heroic species, that there had ever existed or will exist perfect humans, and I started seeing us as I do now. Kids playing at being grown-ups. It made me take sadness and fear seriously. It made me want to write about those things. It made me want to try and get them down as specifically as I could from my own brain and see if other humans felt the same way. I know it sounds depressing, but that is the core of what kept me writing, what keeps me writing still. I've sat and rewritten the next line over and over for about 10 minutes now, and I can't get it out without it sounding really cheesy, but I'll just go with it anyway. It taught me that vulnerability is the artistic North Star. That is what you must sail towards. If I'm working on something and it feels too vulnerable, if I'm getting too close to being honest, I know I should carry on. I don't know why, I have no explanation, but those are the projects that work better. Those are the ones people react to. The ones where you're scared of being too honest, 
the ones you put your heart into, and then they develop a little heartbeat of their own. And I would never have discovered that. I doubt I would have kept writing at all, really, without those two years when I went to hang out with the Panic Dragons. Just by virtue of statistics, someone listening to this right now is having a terrible time. Something has gone wrong externally or internally, and it probably feels that there's no hope of getting back to normal. I'm really sorry to hear that, first of all. But if that's you, I would just like to say the following. It probably seems now like your misery has no purpose. It's just some horrible black star eating the rest of the light. But misery is compost. It is excrement. It is shit. Let's be honest. But maybe soon, maybe less soon, something gorgeous will grow from that excrement. Something good will come out of this that you cannot conceive of right now. Obviously, I hope it's something creative, but maybe not. Maybe it'll be a realization or a breakthrough. Maybe it'll be the beginning of a new life. Maybe it'll be so that in a while you'll meet someone going through what you did and you can tell them they're not alone. But it is not without purpose in any case. It is compost. Something will grow from it. I promise it will. And the flower that one day grows into, as Terence McKenna said, no one can sell that to you and no one can buy it from you. To the artists specifically, and Lord knows you lot go to some dark places, I can say this with absolute certainty. If you are in a pinch presently, this pinch will factor beautifully into your work later. It will add dimensions you could not have added otherwise. It will deliver your voice to you. It will show you what you really wanted to make. And you will be very proud, I hope, that you persevered. You can put all of that angst and sadness and hardship into something. And forevermore, you can point to that thing and it will stand as a testament to your strength of spirit. There is no escaping trials. There is no escaping episodes of hardship outside and in. This is the universe we live in. This is samsara. But there is a choice. Whether to give in to the inherent chaos of the world or whether to try constructing something beautiful out of those hardships. There are gorgeous days coming. They are inevitable. But we have to fight the hopeless days too. And I find it a lot easier to fight them when I remember that, yes, something horrible is happening, but at the very same time, I'm collecting misery compost so that if I'm very lucky later, I might grow something out of it. The best artists to have walked this planet have been some of the most self-hating, burdened, terribly confused, strange flames. If you're in a pinch, I hope you know you're also in good company, because many of those great artists found their way after a period of hardship. And I bet you'll find your way too. In the words of the very, very much missed Leonard Cohen, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. I hope you're doing okay. Big love as ever. Speak soon.